HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 155 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And I am really super confident that every single one of them is listening to Tech Bytes right now, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today we have a full studio. Uh, we have so many people. We are splitting headphones. We have six guests. It's an exciting time. We have a panel of people who will be speaking at the Disrupt Food Summit in New York City this Friday. So we will do like we always do before we get into the future of food and what kind of tech is transforming, what consumers want, and all that kind of good stuff. We'll go around the shipping container. We will introduce everybody and ask them our favorite question. What's your favorite app right now? Everybody has one. Even if it's 10 years old, 10 years sitting on your home screen, or something brand new that you just downloaded on the subway on your way in. I actually just downloaded an app today. I downloaded the, this is very funny. How many people saw the Avengers? Everybody's raising their hands. How many people know who Chris Helmsworth is? How many people think he's like super jacked and ripped and fit? Well, Mr. Helmsworth just came out with an app, his own fitness app. It's called Center, C-E-N-T-R. I downloaded it on my iPhone. And I'm really excited to check it out. It's supposed to have like workouts and recipes, and you're supposed to be able to get fit like Chris Helmsworth, which would be a little much for me because I'm short. I'm only 5'4", so to be like super yoked like that might be a little too much. But I'm curious to see what he put in it because I think he is one of the first superhero celebrities to cash in on all the work that he's done to be in those films to get that physique. I mean, I'm sure they Photoshop him a little bit, but I know that there was a lot of chicken and broccoli, a lot of cardio, and a lot of weightlifting. And probably so he probably had assistants walking around with the gallons of water he was supposed to be drinking every day. So that's my app, Center. We'll report back and see if it really makes me uh, ripped like a superhero, maybe a few <laughs> weeks into the season. 
So, as I said at the top of the show, the Disrupt Food Summit is happening on Friday, and there are a bunch of great panels and discussions, and panels need experts. So we have a bunch of interesting players in the food tech space right now. And first up is Henry Kassendorf, who's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Remedy Organics, which you may have seen in your refrigerator case. Interesting uh, new beverages. Henry, do you have an app that you like right now? My favorite app, I, I know it's probably one of the oldest apps in the app store, but the weather the weather app. The, the weather and, app and from, the weather, from the weather channel or the, the one that comes? Channel, yep. mm-hmm. Because there's a, a, a allergy section. Oh, and the, pollen, the pollen index? The pollen index. Okay. I live by the pollen index. Wow. Okay. And even with my local honey from bees mm-hmm. within 10 miles of my home, mm-hmm. I still need to know where we, where we are with the pollen count. Mm-hmm. So I live by that pretty much from mid-April to uh, the end of May. I, too, love the weather app because I don't believe the forecast. I only believe the map. So I like to go to the weather app and then hit the satellite map because I want to see where that front is coming from and if it's actually coming or not. Because I don't believe the, you know, they're just looking at the map, too, weather (coughs) people. I think it's a good one. Okay. Next to him is Joshua Siegel, who's a general partner at Rubicon Venture Capital. Money makes the uh, innovation world go round for sure. Joshua, do you have an app that you're particularly fond of right now? So I'm going to go completely on the other side of the spectrum. And I have two children, so the app that is my go-to app is Angry Birds. Oh. And it's specifically Angry Birds Star Wars. Okay. my kids are seven and just about five. And so it's just a great way to have fun in the house for a couple of minutes and it also provides a great distraction basically anytime or anywhere. Excellent. And it's one of those old school apps that's been on my phone for at least 10 years. But it has evolved because they didn't have Angry Birds Star Wars. Right. They have all kinds out. of Angry so Birds. They've, specifically, they've franchised. Specifically Angry Birds Star Wars 2. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. I didn't even know they had franchised it out. I did think that my reaction to favorite app because you have children and I know you live in New York City I thought you were going to say like find my friend to the low jack my kid or you know (laughs) those those um, uh, subtle surveillance apps so parents can keep eyes on their kids right well we don't we haven't low jacked our kids as of yet they don't have their own devices during so that's coming okay so that would be coming later but we try not to give them technology you know, all day, every day kind of thing. And they're both in school, so, you know, they're not allowed to use it in the classroom or things like that. So we, we try to keep the technology to a minimum, which is which is tough to do in this day and age. Okay, well, you can come back later when you when you get the LoJack app for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting next to him is Julie Lerner, who is speaking on one of the investment panels. She is an investor uh, with a collective called 37 Angels. She's also a writer. Uh, she's been on Heritage, not on this show, but other shows, and uh, she's interviewed me, interestingly, in the past for an article for her blog, uh, which was a little turning the tables. Julie, do you have an artic- Do you have an app that you like right now? I know I shouldn't say this on the show, but I am like ancient and I am so low tech, but uh, I use Grammarly mm-hmm. and Tasty, those are kind of like my two go-to apps when I need a little like break. And so, it's just when do you use Grammarly? And explain to people time. what it is because there's a lot of people who probably don't even understand conceptually the idea of grammar. 
<laughs> it basically, it's not perfect, actually, but it basically uh, corrects your grammar and your spelling. For actual writing, not yeah, actually not writing. And now they've kind of had like version two, and they've gotten, uh, now they're like getting a little more frisky and like, nah, that doesn't sound good. So uh, they've gotten, uh, yeah, it's, it's evolved the app. But I would recommend it. I think I've become a worse spe- speller because I, re- I rely on these, uh, you know. Auto, uh, auto, auto correct. Auto correct, exactly. Auto spell, auto check, mm-hmm. which is very interesting what it thinks you're trying to say sometimes. Yes, I've had some interesting uh, mm-hmm. auto corrects. And then you hit send and you're like, oh, didn't mean to say that. Mm-hmm. Next to her is Julia. Pronounce your last name for me so I don't just completely say it incorrectly. Elijah. One more time. Aligned you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, she is the co-founder and CIO of a company called Grub Easy, which is an interesting uh, platform to connect cooks and people. She's also part of the organizational force of the event. Yes? Yes, I am. So tell us what your favorite app is right now. Okay. That's a bit of a difficult question for me because I have, I use a lot of apps. And, okay. Um, I had to kind of like think through which one will I pick. Um, Slack seems to be my favorite because... Very popular with the tech entrepreneurial set. Very popular. It just helps you manage communication because you belong to so many groups and so many teams and just being able to organize all your communication in in one place is priceless. So yeah, I'll go with Slack. People love Slack. Yeah. Very popular. Next to her, we have Alina, and say your last name for me also, same thing, don't want to... Zolotarova, but you can call me Zolo. Zolo, yeah. that's good. They called me in college. Zolo, does it, do you have a special thing, like YOLO, is Zolo something? No, I just think it was really hard to pronounce my actual last name. Okay, yeah. okay. That's like a super villain last name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm also from the Soviet Union originally, so it makes oh, sense. Oh yeah, so I must break you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> good. She is with Arrow Farms. Um, Marco Shima, who's the co-founder and CMO, is one of the panelists. He's also been a guest on this show. Um, Arrow Farms is really one of the leading uh, indoor farming companies right now. They're doing a lot of interesting work. They're based in New Jersey, which is also interesting. But so tell us, Selena, do you have a favorite app that you like right now? So I use apps for everything. Mm-hmm. For- Paying uh, my friends to getting money back from my friends, uh, mostly the latter. Uh, I also love the weather app. I have crazy allergies, but an app that actually I and I, I don't do the Tinders and I don't do the Bumble or any of those dating apps. Um, but uh, one of the apps that I'm, I'm going to download um, is something called Your Local, uh, which is a brand new food rescue app um, or food food waste reduction app that. A friend um, is a part of, and so I haven't used some of these um, newer uh, sort of uh, food waste apps, but this is one that I'm going to be downloading this week and and trying out. That sounds interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. They just pitched us at 37 Angels. We didn't go to diligence with them, but I'd be interested to hear about uh, your user experience with them. What was the pitch? What's the elevator pitch for it? Um, it, uh, the pitch for 37 Angels. We have. No, a, I understand yes. that. What did they pitch? What was your local's elevator pitch to you? 
It wasn't an elevator pitch. They did a full-on pitch to our whole community. Um, and basically, um, a lot of folks are addressing the food waste, but this was that you could get a discount on the food at the end of the day. So it sounded actually very interesting. They were built out in... Uh, in Sweden or Denmark they're from, mm-hmm. and this was their second city. Mm-hmm. So I, I've heard, I've heard some, a few pitches around this, so mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see how it actually plays out. I'll look into it. That's interesting. It sounds like it's um, that last call sale, but digital, mm-hmm. like at your bakery. After exactly. 5 p.m., every, get you know, two for one, everything's half off, that kind of idea. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, interesting. Hotel tonight for food. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Very good. You should be on their pitch team. Maybe they'd be doing better. So you're really going to want that, you know, salmon sushi at one in the morning. All right. Not not salmon sushi. On a a Monday. Hey, you know, they sell sushi now at Dwayne Reed in that refrigerator case when you first walk in and somebody's buying it at 1 a.m. because most of them are 24 hours. You know, we live in a different world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my pro tip for listeners today is never buy sushi at the drugstore. Unless, caveat, you're in Japan. Then it's okay, because they sell all kinds of crazy stuff at their drugstore, convenience store, gas station, train station. So if you're not in Japan, never buy sushi in a drugstore. Great advice. And that's a wrap. <laughs> So, as I said at the top of the show, we are here to talk about the Disrupt Food Summit. It's um, really great to get people together before the event and get a sneak peek at what they are going to be talking about. And we have some people here that assembled that represent uh, some of the different panels throughout the day. I mean, I think ultimately, it's hard to say, do you start with uh, product and then go to investment? Do you start with investment and how they fund product? It's sort of a chicken and an egg scenario. But much of what the program is about is sort of circling around those ideas because we have a lot of discussion happening right now around the world about how to feed people, how to feed people, how to fix the broken food system, how to you know, create more nutrient-dense, better quality food, you know, how to get it produced, all those kinds of things. And people are talking a lot about it. I don't know that we've reached any actual conclusions or an action list. I think maybe the closest thing that we've come to in terms of solid action items or perhaps starting to utilize blockchain for product chain and shipping and things like that. That seems to be a pretty solid thing. I think the entry of the Impossible Burger into Burger King is a pretty pivotal moment in terms of, you know, turning the ship. But I would love to hear, um, I'd love to go around the room and we're going to, you know, sort of do a little bit of a round robin idea and cover off maybe on the uh, panels and the people who are speaking on them just to get a sense of of what you're going to be talking about on Friday. Um, who thinks that investing comes first or who thinks product comes first? Just curious. What do you think? Shout so I think it depends on the type of investor you are from, from that standpoint because different firms have different investment thesis approach. And so, <clears throat> you know, if you're a very, very early pre-seed or seed stage fund that can afford to invest in someone who has vision of a product idea on a piece of paper, idea a cocktail on a piece of paper, then yeah. <clears throat> that's what you invest in. I mean, we at Rubicon, we invest in execution, not 
concepts. Julie's shaking right? her head. So, we, <laughs> so for us, we require that the uh, entrepreneur, especially in food, you know, has developed the product. Right? We want to, We want to see that. That's what we want to see. So, Henry, you have you have a product that you developed in your journey. What was the chronology of product investment? You know that kind of thing. What came first? It was it's chicken and egg, and uh, you know the the problem is the the savvy investors will want to wait and see some proof points until they they write a check, and then there are others who might jump in early based on the concept and the team behind it. Um, we self-funded for a good part of the journey to get those proof points and try to kick the valuation can down the road a bit, raise some uh, capital through friends and family and convertible notes just to kick that you know, valuation can down the road. Um, but at the right time, we went out for institutional capital. We had the proof points um, and, um, and, and raised a significant amount of money um, based on what we had accomplished. But it was, it was a long process to get there, um, and we self-funded for the you know, first year plus. So uh, Zolo, can I call you Zolo? Yeah. Zillow and Henry come from products. Aero Farms sells uh, lettuce and greens and vegetables, and then Henry has his beverage. So for the two of you, what is the what is your vision of the future of you know the the next food trend and solving that feeding all the people question? You have a specific vision at Remedy Organics, and you have a specific vision at Aero Farms, like in a 140 characters or less. Mm-hmm. What would you say your, your future vision is, and what you think people need, and what you're bringing to them? Right. Consumers are looking for more out of the products that they buy. Uh, they want more than just hydration out of their beverages. They want more than just nourishment from food. And we believe the next frontier of the food and beverage industry is adding function to those products, but in a way that it's clean and nutrient dense and delicious. And that's what our brand is about. Um, Define define function. What would you put under the, what do people think we're all consumers and we all drink beverages? I've had many beverages earlier today. What does everybody think when they hear the word function, like functional beverage, what does that mean? Some of it could be energy Mm -hmm. or the reduction of energy. So like sleep aid. Mm. Uh, certainly hydration is an issue. And then, of course, nutrients. Protein. Protein's a big one right now. When, when Henry came in, I'm like, oh, I want to talk to you. And as a consumer, not as an investor, as a consumer, I'm like, I'm having all of these issues. I'm like, can you? what can your product do for me? So, right, so fit in right exactly to what you're asking. Um, for, as a consumer, not as an investor, I'm looking for um, what some products can help me in energy, digestion, all of these issues. So nutrient-dense, functional, and then you said a word that makes some people crazy, and I hear it all the time. We use it so much, I don't know that anybody really knows what it means. You said clean. What does clean mean in your world when you're talking about food? And then I'd love to hear what that means at Arrow Farms, especially because lettuce can be very dirty. For, for us, clean is organic, non-GMO clean, a really clean nutrition label. 
um, with traceability behind the ingredients. Um, and for us, it's just um, the integrity of the product is critical. And um, we, my, my wife Cindy's the true founder of the business. She's a nutritional health counselor, and this grew out of her practice where she was counseling clients and changing their lives by changing what they ate and how they ate and getting them off dairy and gluten mm -hmm. and caffeine mm -hmm. and alcohol. And she wanted to bring this to a, a broader market. Um, and there was just so much junk in the products that her clients were consuming every day. And, and for us, you know, it's, it's just table stakes in terms of what goes in. That. What about at Arrow Farms? What, what's your vision of the food future product? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll speak to a couple of things because we, we just touched on a lot of different elements. So I'm actually a registered dietitian nutritionist. So my background is in nutritional biochemistry, and that's what I studied, and that's my, my passion. And I think the functional food movement and all of all of the current uh, wellness trends, if you will, came out of this need um, and this demand from consumers mm -hmm. to, to get more from their food. Because over the last 50, 60 years, the quality, the nutrient density of our food has plummeted. And a lot of that has to do with the quality of our soil um, and uh, the, the the food system in general and sort of the supply chain and when it comes to leafy green vegetables and as a registered dietitian first of all I love Henry's products I, I drink remedy all the time so I'm a, I'm a big fan um, but I think we were uh, promised samples in an email <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh my god their products are delicious and 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 they, they make they make you feel good um, and that's actually what uh, what what clean and functional um, m means to me but it goes beyond that clean um, on the one hand is is the product and what it delivers and what it promises to deliver to the consumer right so for us um, today leafy greens uh, mostly are coming from California they're sprayed Mexico. with Mexico they're sprayed with tons of pesticides uh, you know you don't really know what you're getting they're triple washed in like a chlorine bleach solution um, our greens don't have anything sprayed on them so they are most people think triple washed means what you do when you stand at the sink <laughs> and just wash it three times with water to make sure. No, no, it's a very intensive process. And it's almost like dry cleaning for your lettuce, exactly. actually, is a better analogy. Exactly. And okay. you're washing off a lot of the a lot of the pathogens. So it's actually, you know, we, we have to step back and think, you know, what, what are we actually washing off there? Um, but it's, as you mentioned earlier, you know, lettuce, uh, quote unquote, is, is dirty because it is, uh, it's grown in the field. It's grown, it's really hard to trace back the food, hopefully with, uh, with blockchain, with other um, uh technological um, developments will be able to get a better traceability um, on our field-grown produce, but today it's not there. So how does Arrow Farms then articulate all that in the product? We grow locally all year round. Locally inside a warehouse. Locally grown indoors, exactly, so all year round. So local has a very different permutation because it's yes. indoors. It's mm -hmm. indoors. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't use any pesticides ever at all, so it's completely clean um, and ready to eat straight out of the container. Um, I'll say, I'll, I'll speak to non-GMO. There is no GMO in the leafy greens category today. It's a big, um, there's a big misunderstanding there, but course we use non-gmo seeds um, and so the idea is that we grow locally all year round it's a reliable product for both our um, customers our customers meaning our, our retailers mm -hmm. whole foods shop right fresh directs etc and it's a reliable product for a consumer so for the investors then the interesting thing is you have people who start companies because they have a belief about what they think the problems are and how they think they can best answer them and they put products into market 
Um, Jennifer, before you go into that, I want to just touch on what they just talked about. Um, both of them. And by the way, I also like their products a lot, uh, Remedy Organics. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to talk about the concept of what uh, the, the whole idea of future of food. What do we see? You know, um, uh, I like the angle they started with, the problems we have today. And that's one of the reasons why I thought about coming up with this event, bringing people together to talk about the issues and the way forward. And one of the key things is that we have a huge problem today. We have 52% of Americans dealing with health issues. That's 171 million people that have chronic, preventable chronic diseases that are related with poor eating patterns and physical inactivity. So when we think about the issues we have, we think about how can we solve these issues? Um, there are a lot of um, transparency problems with the food industry. People will tell you, oh, this brand or this product is low sugar. And then you buy it and you find out that it's, it's just full of, um, it's just, it's just different from what you expect. So when all these issues are in the marketplace and people are tired of seeing the same thing repeating itself over and over again, there's a need for industry leaders to come together and say, no, we're changing things. We're talking about, uh, we, number one, we identify with the problem and we're saying this is how we're going to solve the problem. So that's kind of like when, when I think about the future of food and generally um, when people talk about what they expect in the marketplace, it's more of going to the store and seeing better options more more good uh, good for you product to pick from not just a few brands doing what we expect but many brands doing um, providing what people need and putting consumers well-being first you know thinking about oh this is good for the market this will give me money but it's also good for the consumers well the interesting thing is that we don't often see quite that many people from large, well-established CPG companies doing the same thing at the forefront. All of the, I'm sure, you know, the investors that we have sitting here and when we'll, we'll get to the investment piece, you're not investing in Unilever. You're investing in a small company, a husband and wife who have an idea. Uh, so it's interesting because these things are starting in smaller places um, and then driving forward. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how the investors maybe are making the decision about what the solutions are. They're the first people who, the first wave of voting with your dollars. So we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. Stay with us and find out who has voted with their company dollars to support Heritage Radio Network. Did you know we're a 501c3 nonprofit? And we are celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. We've been on the air from the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn since 2009. And we have kept the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of grants, members who are mostly listeners like you, and amazing companies like this one. Stay with us. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, 
a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. If you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. Are you a startup entrepreneur? Do you run an accelerator? Do you have just a really great idea? Does your friend have a cool app? Get in touch with us. We are always looking for new stories and new voices. Tech Bytes has been on the air since January 2015. This is episode 175. We got a lot of airtime to fill, fill people, so get in touch. You can email us, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. Social media, techbytes, HRN. Get in touch, become a member, send us something. We're very interactive. So today, our innovators and influencers are all participants in the upcoming Disrupt Food Summit. You can find information online, still tickets available, at 2019.disruptfoodsummit.com. It is on May 17th in New York City. It's a whole day of interesting events, discussions, networking. And today, we have assembled a bunch of the participating panelists. We have product CEOs and founders and innovators, and we have investors, which is the piece that we're getting to right now. I think, especially in the American market, especially when it comes to food products, we always say people vote with their dollars. And the first people who vote with their dollars are the investors. If they don't vote first, you may never get a chance to. So representing the investor panel, we have Joshua Siegel, who is at Rubicon Venture Capital, and Julie Lerner, she is with 37 <coughs> Angels, an investment cohort, group, collective, collaborative. Yeah, How would you describe yeah. it? Uh, uh, it's a world group about uh, 80 uh, female angel investors. So the 37 yeah. is a misnomer. It is misnomer, but uh, the uh, founders, Angela Lee, she's the Associate Dean of Innovation at Columbia Business School, and she started it and about five years ago. And at the time, only 13% of investors were women. On at angel level, at VC level. Now it's actually gotten better. It's, I think it's in the yeah. low 20s. So that's why that's, she called it 37 to, mm -hmm. to balance it oh, That's out. interesting. That's another show. We've done shows in the past about women, with women founders and CEOs and the whole quandary about funding. But that said, you will both be speaking on investing in food and drinks, current trends and future directions. So what do you, what are you both interested in right now? in terms of future investments? Is there a particular category? Is there a topic? Is there a, a, a problem? You're specifically interested in companies that are trying to solve this problem? So um, we've invested in the frozen food space and we've invested in the beverage space. And we've looked at a lot of foods in various other spaces. The issue for us is we want to find companies that are attacking a problem that's you know daily, and or weekly, so something that's going to be consumed <clears throat> either every day or every other day, 
And we like to find things that <clears throat> really eliminate or limit sugar intake. That's a big uh, thing that I'm looking at. So even the uh, natural sugars that are in certain foods, so like dates is used as oh, a Oh, there's a, a lot whole of foods, but litany. It's a lot of sugar in them. And sugar is one of the worst things that you Absolutely. can put in your body. And so I like to see foods that really eliminate that. But I don't necessarily like to see foods that are using, you know, the stevias of the world and mm -hmm. sugars like that. One of the items that we like to see is monk fruit, which is a different kind of molecule. Very popular so right now. So it's not counted as a sugar, uh, according to the FDA. So we're looking at stuff like that, clean items, things of that nature. Uh, stuff that also has low impact into the environment. So I'm not a big proponent of the you know, food kits and things of the world because a lot of shipping that's involved there. I've but also never done meal <clears throat> deliveries on my show because I like people to have <clears throat> a good experience and it's not meet the press. I don't have to ask the super hard questions, but it's really hard for me to turn the corner on the packaging and the impact and the delivery and all those kinds so of things. So as long as the packaging has limited impact, then it's okay. There are some, you know, pre-prepped food companies that do do that, but Others that really have a high waste quotient, you know, aren't really great. And I think, you know, recently uh, Albertsons, they had bought plated years ago and now they've uh, basically eliminated it from their stores for the most part. And so they may have found that it just doesn't work all that well. Um, so, you know, that's a challenge, right? But we really want to find stuff where the founders are challenging the norm. They are not only being uh, disruptive to the environment, but they're really attracting the consumer's tastes. And the reason why we wouldn't invest in something like Unilever is that the thought process that goes on in a big multinational conglomerate from a, even an innovation team or something like that is do no harm. Right. Well, mm -hmm. I'm here. I want to keep my job. I don't want right. to do any harm. So Whereas, do no harm for themselves in their career, not correct. do no harm for the planet <clears throat> and people. Because do no correct. harm is, is, is a correct. You know, disruptive entrepreneur mantra, which is about <clears throat> being good to the planet. It's also, I think, part of the ethos of Burning Man, for example. Right. It means different things <laughs> to miss different people. But in the case of Unilever, it means let me keep my job. Right. Don't do anything that would get me fired. For entrepreneurs, it means let's try to you know, fix a problem or attack a problem without hurting anyone else. I'll break a few rules, but mm -hmm. other than that, you know, that's okay. Julie, what are you, what's your cohort looking for in terms of products and things? Is there something specific you're interested in or that you think is really the future? Um, uh, we, we, do, we actually at 37 News do more tech. I'm kind of the, the, the food person, so mm -hmm. I'm kind of bringing in more food companies. But I do want to say something about the companies like Unilever, which I think is um, positive for new food companies. These larger companies are less doing their research and development, their R&D. They R &D. just buy stuff. They just right. buy stuff, like Sir but, Kensington or Vitamin Water. Right, and I, right, I interviewed, right, I interviewed they might buy you. Sir Kensington. M&A is the new R&D. Yeah. It's, so... It, so <laughs> But that's an opportunity. That was great, by the way. <laughs> Register mark that. Yeah. Right. Um, for these food companies coming up because they don't want to do it in-house. And right, they're going and they're going out and buying mm -hmm. these companies. Mm -hmm. So that's of hu huge interest to us. So that's of huge interest to you that they go out and buy the company. So when you look at a company, you're thinking forward about if they're potentially going to be purchased, scooped up by a, a CPG. 
Absolutely. I, this is a different vertical, but I just invested. So that's in a it. true investment protocol. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I j- just invested in an e-commerce clothing company for men five eight and under, and uh, I went to a un- my uh, university event, alumni event, and the founder of Bonobos is there. So I went up and talked to him, and all of a sudden I'm talking to someone at Walmart because they are, they bought Bonobos in uh, two years ago, and they're just adding mm-hmm. brands. So creating. Walmart actually just launched a frozen entree line with Whole30, Whole30 approved. And when you talk about eliminating different things. Right. So there there are a bunch of companies that are doing that right mm -hmm. now. Freshly is another Mm -hmm. company that does that. And they're doing quite well. They got an investment from Nestle, uh, I think, last year of like $75 or some crazy number. So. And we're invested in a frozen company as well, Daily Harvest, which is all mm-hmm. vet fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. So frozen is a great category. It's a big category. It's billions of dollars. <clears throat> the great thing about frozen, especially when you're using a lot of vegetables and fruits, forgetting about meat for a minute, is there's very little waste because everything is flash frozen at ripeness on the farms. So in any frozen dish, there's very little so waste y- in that, which is good. You're... the. You're talking about a very, very specific type of product and process beyond just what we think of when we think frozen. Well, any, <clears throat> any frozen food that has vegetables in it, the vegetables were frozen already probably. So when they were delivered to the manufacturer for processing, they were already frozen. So do you, just a general question. Do you think that all of the investors and accelerators and incubators and People who are supporting startup companies on a you know financial and you know intent and advisory level, are they the true people who are making the decisions about what the f- new food products are and what the new trends are? No, no, definitely not. First of all, there's so many different kinds of investors out there, mm-hmm. but the entrepreneurs are the ones that are doing the work, right? We're f- so, but we're what if you have a great them. product that doesn't <clears throat> make it to see the light of day? No, the oh, world is okay. littered with great products that don't see the light yeah, well, of day, exactly. unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think uh, the most important person here is the entrepreneur. You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people think um, when you have an idea, you can't push it forward unless an investor backs you. You can, because there are many ways to move <clears throat> things forward now. People are now going to crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to have someone with a big, big check. But when you have many people with, with checks and they support you and you have at least the initial funds to get things mm-hmm. off the ground. Mm-hmm. So the most important person is an entrepreneur because you, you need the person needs to persevere and stay in the game. The fact that you have a good idea doesn't mean it's going to work immediately. It, it, nothing good works immediately. You just have to kind of like push forward until you have enough to show institutional investors to say, okay, yeah, you know, this thing works. Do you want to invest? And and even if they say no, you keep going until something works out. But w- what I'm trying to point out here is this. If the, if the um, entrepreneur gives up before even get the, the product is ready for um, the investor, nothing, it won't see the light of day. So what determines if it sees the light of day? The entrepreneur does by pushing forward and looking for alternatives. Okay, and then ultimately the entrepreneur needs buy-in from some kind of consumer base to show traction or sales or... Certainly with a consumer product that's a consumable. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to eat it and buy it. Right. So you have to do do that. But in today's day and age where there's a lot more angel investors and early stage investors, you don't need one funding source. Mm -hmm. You can go to multiple Mm -hmm. funding sources and eventually 
you'll get there. But initially, you have to find people that believe in you and your product. And that's not always easy. It's a very hard thing to do. So let's go around the room and everybody just tell us what, what do you think the big future, future trend is that you're looking at, that you're either looking to capitalize on, that you're looking to invest in. Maybe it's something you haven't found yet. Maybe you think it's on the beginning of the upswing. Maybe you think it's going to take five or ten years for it to really fully materialize. Um, one of the speakers on the panel who was just on the show a few weeks ago is uh, Victor Panoff from Adam, and they are uh, nutritional information. They work with other companies with uh, by providing really deep nutritional data information analysis. Yeah. analysis. It's really interesting. And he thinks that it's really personalized, functional human nutrition where you're wearing a device that's telling you what your body composition is right now and what you actually need to be eating and then it'll give you a recipe for the ingredients that are in your refrigerator and you can eat it and that all the technology exists and it'll take 10 years for it to get harnessed together to function like that so let's start with you Henry to see you're making the products we are um what we see is the convergence of the food and beverage and health and wellness industries and that's driving a lot of the growth um especially in our business Um, i think that convergence is here it's happened already right right it's happening more and more every day as Mm -hmm. you see product i mean i was in sephora with my wife over the weekend um and and they're selling collagen products that go in your beverages Mm -hmm. um where they've traditionally been makeup and, and beauty products mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. And that's well, beauty starts from example. the inside that's true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we, you know we 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 um wrapped up expo west a couple of weeks ago a month ago and um typically i spend the last day of the show meeting with suppliers every single one of our suppliers was on there's a line of embarkation at expo east and expo west it's the food and beverage companies and the supplements and every one of our suppliers was on the other side interesting of that line. interesting um, and and you know we this has been going on for a few years now mm-hmm. and when we first started having these conversations they were used to putting these ingredients into a capsule mm-hmm. and and weren't used to someone formulating beverages with it or other products and and now it's become very commonplace and that it is here um, and it's just the beginning Joshua, what are you looking for? What do you so, think the trend is? I mean, you I, already kind of told us frozen, <clears throat> well, that's daily, a trend weekly, for consu- certain foods. But on a bigger level, I think the trend is for education to catch up with reality, mm. and that the government, at least in the U.S., is still propagating the myth of the food pyramid, which is has no business in our world today. I mean, the food pyramid is so sad. Garbage. The standard American <clears throat> diet, and so I think the need is to eliminate much of the food lobby from the process of educating our kids and that there needs to be sort of a reintroduction of home economics into basic curriculum all over about what really is good for you, what you should be eating. Because at the school level, kids are very impressionable. They'll basically believe anything you tell them if you're a teacher. If you're a parent, they don't believe anything you tell them. Uh, But if you're a teacher and you're standing in front of a classroom, you know, with, with a chalk, then you have a lot of influence. And so I think it's very important that kids be educated on the, what they should be eating, why it's good for you, the green leafy vegetables, things of that nature, uh, nutrition, and you know, getting away from a more grain-based diet that has been propagated in our society really all over the world and is not good for you really in any manner, shape, or form. So education 
is critical, I think. Okay. Julie? Yeah. What are you I, I would at? say um, centralized kitchens, this whole cloud kitchens concept. Uh, one of our companies <coughs> at 37 Inches is called So Ripe, and they do healthy lunch delivery to uh, a bunch of uh, different uh, companies around the city, New York City, and they're expanding uh, uh, to Los Angeles. So they're doing economies of scale. So they're doing the same healthy, there's two fitness guys who are super great are, are operators. Are they using the Chris Helmsworth app? <laughs> no, but they look like Chris Helmsworth. They are super handsome. We just go and we have investor meetings. And anyway, um, but this whole um, you know economy to scale, and they're doing you know this. Everyone's getting the same meal, and I think we're going to see this with a lot of companies. So offsite, no no brick and mortar, unfortunately, because um, but it's a it's a great way of doing business. Julia. Yes, I would uh, really piggyback on what um, Joshua just talked about. I really think that um, there's a need for people to understand why. Why is this good? Uh, this food good for me, and and it's not just a need. People are also seeing the need. Um, there was a data I was just um, looking at recently that was published. Seventy, um, eighty-seven percent of the people. One, the, okay, they surveyed one thousand five hundred people about the need for transparency and education, and eighty-seven percent of them said that they would prefer any product, product that ha provides more information than the information on the label to them. Before making their choices, they want to know more about what they're eating. That shows an hunger in the hearts of people. Consumers are more knowledgeable than ever before, and there's still more hunger for knowledge. I believe kids should know more. They should know, at a very early age, know why a particular food type is good for them. It's not good enough to just say, oh yeah, just eat that. It's just because I said so. It's, it's, there's a need to educate people, and I feel we're going to employ technology more to educate people and um, see, see what they're looking for, what they need to know, and help them learn more. So to, to answer your question, what's the future of food? I, I, number one, I feel like, I, I believe people will learn more, will, um, would be more eager to learn, and there will be more tools, more technological <coughs> tools to help them learn easily. And that would definitely drive changes in the marketplace as well. Alina, what's the what's the future of food look like down at Arrow Farms? Definitely. So I'll step back, and I, I do go to Burning Man. So in, in, in the spirit of Burning Man, I'll say... Um, we create our future. And I think it's really, really important for all of us. There's trends, and then there's the, the, the kind of like the, the code ends of the tra trends that we're riding on. Um, but then there's the creation and the conscious, um, you know, I'm sorry to use this word uh, to my boss, Mark, but the conscious manifestation of, of our future together collectively. And I think when it comes to, um, uh, it, and it kind of it goes along with what we've all been uh, talking about, with personalization and and wanting to, uh, you know, to, to to kind of get what we want when we want it, um, along with that, when it comes to to uh, agriculture and, and food production, specifically when it comes to local food production, you know, we can using indoor farming and using um, high tech methods of farming um, that aren't actually uh, that don't have a negative impact or as much of a negative impact um, on our environment we could uh, really steward biodiversity. We can grow hundreds, thousands of different varieties of plants, of food, and introduce really interesting um, varieties into the marketplace in a really major way. And what that's also introducing is new nutrients, new polyphenols, new antioxidants, new flavors, new stories. And we can actually like save a lot of the, um, save a lot of the, um, 
the the issues that are that are happening today in the environment um, and do it locally uh, and do it in a really big way. So it's kind of hard to wrap your your head around it. But I see a future where we can have access to all sorts of varieties of food and plants right um, in our own backyard. Right in our own backyard. That's a good place to land. We are out of time, unfortunately. It always goes by too quickly. I want to thank everyone for coming out to Brooklyn. Again, if you want to see these people in real life, go to 2019.disruptfoodsummit.com. Get a ticket for the Disrupt Food Summit, which is happening on May 17th in New York City. That's this Friday. You can meet Henry Kassendorf from Remedy Organics. You can find him at remedyorganics.com. Joshua Siegel from Rubicon Venture Capital. Rubiconventurecapital.com? Rubicon.vc. Great. Julie Lerner, 37 Angels. Where can we find you online? At 37angels.com. We have a pitch forum upcoming next month if anyone would like to apply. We did a bunch of live pitch shows with a VC guy last oh, year, which was fun. super fun. We super might we fun. might revive that because okay. the pitch show is great. It's like a little mini Tech Bite Shark Tank. <laughs> Julia Olaiju, who is the uh, founder and creator of the event, you can find her at the event, and Alina Zolo at Arrow Farms. They are arrowfarms.com. You can find us, Tech Bytes. I don't know if you notice, this is a brand new time. We are live on the air on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. After that, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, your favorite podcasting platform. I am Jennifer Leutzi, your host and producer. Matt Peterson is our engineer. The amazing techno theme song, Nomad CPU track, is from DJ Uptown Nico. You can find him on SoundCloud and fun musical venues around the city and sometimes out at big events like Bonnaroo. Heritage Radio Network is in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn since 2009. Come back and listen. Find us online. Visit us online. And if you really like the show, click the beating heart, donate some money, become a member, and help us go into the next 10 years. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join the HRN family and become a member. Thanks for listening.